0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc.
1: We will pray, and we'll get into the Word. We're going to start a new study tonight so we'll talk more about that in just a second but let's let's go ahead and open our time in prayer father we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and your grace lord we thank you once again that jesus is alive and that's because he is alive father we can gather together tonight we can study your word and celebrate and receive new life father lord i thank you that that in jesus name that there is no time nor distance in the spirit and so father i thank you that even though we physically are in several different locations father i thank you that your presence is right there with each and every one your anointing is there and so father i thank you that the holy ghost will move in our lives tonight father we expect to be taught and believe to receive revelation and insight And Father, I thank you, Lord, for us each to have ears to hear, anointed ears to hear what you would say to us. And Father, we thank you for it. Thank you that it will cause our lives to be different. And we praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in uh, just praying about what direction to go in, of course, you know, we finished up the Sermon on the Mount last week. And so... Uh, just in praying about what to uh, you know, go with for uh, the next few weeks, uh, I was just uh, just thinking about some things and um, some a conversation that I had with somebody who is uh, a real estate agent uh, came up in my thinking and and what we were talking about was uh, if you're a real estate agent, you're required to have so many hours every year. Of what they call continuing education. And I think that's true in a lot of different careers. Um, you know, for uh for pilots, for instance, pilots have to have um go to a flight school for a certain amount of proficiency training every year just to make sure that uh they haven't let things, you know, anything slip and and perhaps forgotten some things, and so. In you know, just thinking along those lines, uh, the Holy Ghost just kind of quickened in my heart that we can go back and we can do a refresher study on faith, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to just dump jump right on into this. Now, the first thing I need you to understand is this: is faith is absolutely essential to your walk with God. It's one of the most important elements in your relationship with God, because God is a faith God. We'll see throughout this study how he operates. And of course, he wants us to operate on that same level of faith and to believe him. And and if, if you don't place a certain amount of emphasis on faith, it's going to be difficult for you to walk closely with God, because again, that's the way that he operates. Now, To get into this, what I want to do is I want to give you eight reasons why we need to study faith. You know, and perhaps in our camp, if you will, our group, we tend to place a little more emphasis on faith than some of the other people or, you know, some other groups of Christians, and and that's fine. But uh, what I want to do is I want to just give us these reasons why we place a little more emphasis along these lines. So let me give these to you. And some of the scriptures we'll turn to, and some of them, I'll just give you the references and you can just write them down. But here's reason number one, why we need to study faith. And that is this, you cannot be saved without faith. Faith is essential and crucial to you receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior and being born again. And uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the second chapter, Ephesians 2, and verse 8, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, and um, the scripture says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So salvation is provided to us because of the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God, but it is received through faith And the good news is the grace of God is a gift from God and the faith that we believe him with and receive salvation is a gift from God. So you cannot be saved without faith. The second reason that we uh, study faith and place a little more emphasis on faith, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. And this is probably... One of the most important reasons that we study faith and, and uh, look at it as closely as we do, Hebrews chapter 11, and let's read verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. 6, it, it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I know all of us want to please God. And so the first thing that you're going to have to do in order to please God is to begin to develop faith in him and in his words, because without, again, without faith, it's going to be impossible to please him. Now here's reason number three, and that is this, you cannot live for God without faith. You cannot live for God without faith. Okay, and I want to give you some uh, references for that, and uh, th- they're all four of these basically say the same thing. But if you want to turn over to Romans chapter one and verse seventeen, Romans chapter one and verse seventeen, and uh, Paul quotes. Three times in the New Testament, a verse from the Old Testament, and we're going to read it in in Romans, and then I'll give you the reference in uh, the Old Testament. But Romans chapter one, verse 17 says this for, well, let me back up in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it. In what the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul is quoting Habakkuk chapter two and verse four. If you want to make a note of that reference, and that says, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Okay So Habakkuk 2:4, and we just read Romans 1:17. If you want to make a note of this, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul says the same thing again. He says, "But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith." And then in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, says, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So faith is is going to be required for us to live for God and to live for him effectively. Number four is this. Faith is what allows God's grace to work in our lives. Faith is what allows God's grace to work in our lives. You, you you should be there in Romans. So turn over to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four, and let's look at verse 16. Romans chapter four and verse 16. And it says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, as we get into this study uh, later on, we're going to, I'll explain this a little in a little more detail. But that first part of verse 16, when Paul says, Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, what he is really saying there is this as God leveled the playing field for everybody. He made it fair for everybody. To be able to receive from Him, and so what I he, he was, was <laughs> what he did is he uh, made it to where he's the everything that He provides for us comes through the grace of God. But what He did to make it fair for everybody is is that it is received by faith. I'll tell you this, no one will ever be able to point their finger in the face of God and say, God, you weren't fair. You weren't fair in that you healed this one and you didn't heal that one. You saved that one and you didn't save that one. Uh, Because what he did is he, he made it all available through his grace, but he said and established that it all had to be received by faith. So if you know if you want to receive from God, you, it is going to come to to you and become available to you through the grace of God, but it, it is it is going to be received by faith. Uh, you know just to jump ahead a little bit and uh, you know if you just want to make a note of this, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says this that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Um, some translations say a measure, And that's actually an inaccurate translation, because what that implies is that God gave to one, maybe a little bitty portion of faith. He gave to another one, a great big portion of faith, and everybody else is somewhere in between. And uh, that's not the way God operates. When you got born again, God deposited on the inside of your recreated human spirit uh, a measure of his faith. And we all receive the same amount of faith in that, at that point. Now, what you do with it and how you develop it is up to you and how much effort you put into that. But the the truth of the matter is, is he leveled the playing field for us all. He gave us the faith to believe him with. He provided everything uh, through his grace And then all we have to do is receive everything that he's provided for us through faith, okay? Now, number five is this, faith in Jesus Christ and his blood is what makes us righteous before God. Faith in Jesus Christ and his blood is what makes us righteous before God. Now, I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. In the Amplified Bible, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, and the scripture says this, Therefore, since we are justified, and it says parenthetically, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah the anointed one. Verse two, through him, we also have our access, our entrance and our introduction by faith into this grace, this state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. The, the new King James says this, therefore, having been justified By faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you got born again, when you received Christ, you placed a a certain level of faith in the fact that Jesus died for you. He was raised from the dead, what we just celebrated, and uh, that it was him through that sacrifice and through his blood that made the way for us to be right before God, to be made right righteous before God. So our standing, our righteousness before God comes to us through faith in what Jesus did for us. Now, here's number six. You cannot walk the Christian walk without faith. You cannot walk the Christian walk without faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now we're going to talk in our study, not necessarily a lot, you know, tonight I place a great emphasis on it, but as we get into this study in the weeks to come, we're going to talk a lot about this because um, the, one of the main reasons that a lot of believers do not experience consistency in their life is because they are Uh, not founded in their faith on God's word, but rather to use James's from James chapter one, they're tossed around uh, because of everything that comes up and comes around their emotions, their feelings, what they see, what they don't see all of those types of things. And so they allow those things to sway them. Whereas what we have to do is we have to make a decision that if the word of God establishes it and and says it is so, then it is so regardless of what I see, hear, feel, touch, or experience in this natural realm, okay? So the word is what uh, sets the standard for us where our faith is concerned. Number seven is you cannot grow spiritually without faith. You cannot grow spiritually without faith. You're not going to be able to become fully developed and mature as a believer without faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. So, uh, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is going to be based on your your faith development, your development and your faith in God through his word. Then number eight, faith is instrumental in defeating the devil in spiritual battle. Faith is instrumental in defeating the devil in spiritual battle. And uh, you know not too long ago we studied the armor of God and so one of the greatest pieces. Matter of fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 6 and verse 16, above all, all the other pieces, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay? So the, the shield of faith is a crucial part of the armor of God and therefore is necessary for us to be effective in spiritual warfare. Now, You know, we, we study all kinds of topics from the scriptures, but what you will find is that a majority of topics in the Bible all come back to this right here. Let me give you an example. Turn over with me to Galatians chapter five, please. Galatians chapter five
0: and look at verse six.
1: Galatians chapter five and verse six. Says this that Paul wrote, and he said, For in Christ, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So, you know, in this one verse, we see where Paul made the connection between you living by faith, walking by faith, and operating in the love of God. So, what this tells me is if you're not walking in love, Your faith is not going to be able to work. And so all of these things, all of these varying subjects in the Bible that have to do with our spiritual growth uh, are all connected to one another and all rely on one another as far as being able to function, okay? Now, to understand faith, we're going to have to talk a little bit about the spiritual realm and, and how it operates, Okay. So it's very, very important. So go over with me to the gospel of John chapter four. And let's, let's look at something that Jesus said about his heavenly father, our heavenly father. And this is, uh, you know, in a conversation that he's having with the Samaritan woman at the well. And, uh, he says in verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. Now here's, here's what I wanted us to see in verse 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay. Now it's very important that we understand that God is a spirit being. Now, he does not have a flesh body separate and apart from the flesh body that Jesus Christ has, but God the Father is strictly a spirit being who through his immense power and glory is able to affect the natural realm. But what I want you to see is, is that he is not a physical being at all. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that no man has seen God at any time. You know, as you're studying through the Old Testament and I, you know, I've been reading through the Bible. And so we just got through with, uh, you know, the, let's see, Genesis, Deuteronomy. And and now we're in Joshua and all the the miraculous things that God did for the children of Israel. And when you read the stories, about how the the cloud hovered over the children of Israel to protect them uh, during the day and the fire, the pillar of fire that led them at night. You read about how the the water that came out of the rock, uh, you know, and the rock followed them around everywhere they went. All of those things were natural manifestations of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were what's called pre-incarnate visitations of Jesus. You know, matter of fact, this morning, I read from Joshua where uh, the Lord or the, the, the captain of the Lord's host appeared to Joshua. And you remember he was standing there holding a sword and Joshua goes to him and says, hey, are you for us or against us? And, mm-hmm. uh, and that was really a pre-incarnate visitation of the Lord Jesus himself. And so when there is a physical manifestation and appearance by God, it's actually a a part of the ministry of what Jesus did in the Old Testament. Okay, so, but let's, let's go back and talk about the Heavenly Father. God created this natural world out of the world in which he lives called the spirit realm or the spirit world, however you want to articulate that okay? So everything in the natural realm came out of the spirit realm. I want to say that again, because it's very important. Everything that was created in the natural realm came out of the spirit realm, not vice versa, okay? Because God is a spirit. And of course, we know God created uh, the heavens and the earth and everything in the book of Genesis, all that came into existence out of the realm where God lives, and that is the realm of the Spirit. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Somebody says, well, you know, I know this stuff, Pastor. Well, it doesn't hurt any of us to hear it again. Myself included. Okay. Hebrews eleven three. Says this by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I'm gonna we'll say that again by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, the things which are seen were not made of things or were made from things which are not seen, okay? So everything we see in this natural world were were made of things out of that invisible realm. Now, just because it is invisible and not visible to our natural eye doesn't make it any less real. Matter of fact, if you believe what the word says, it is more real than the natural realm, okay? Because let me explain it to you this way. The, The creation is subject to the creator, not vice versa, okay? So what that means is this, that... God created everything we see out of that realm. So that realm is actually superior to the natural realm in which you and I live and function. Now, here's the cool thing. Little side note is you are a spirit being. Of course, you you know, you, our, you are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. You are born again out of that spirit realm where God lives matter of fact it was his spirit that caused you to be born again so therefore spiritually speaking now listen to me carefully spiritually speaking through and by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit you are superior to the natural realm Mm -hmm. okay all right so We'll, I'll let you process that a little bit, okay? So if I limit my scope of understanding, in other words, if, every, if my world and my perception of my world in the sense of everything I see, everything I experience, if that's limited to the natural realm only, then I can never really begin to understand God or the realm in which he lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again, okay? Because there's a lot of people, and this goes back to what I said earlier. There's a lot of believers who are spiritual beings, born of a uh, of the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus, clean and holy before a holy God. Who are who live solely out of that natural realm when they were created to live out of that spiritual realm. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now see as you will go back, if, if you'll go back and study Adam and the things that uh, you know Adam did and what God created him to live like and the type of life that he was supposed to live. Adam was designed, To live out of the spirit realm, but manifest it in the natural realm. Because here's how I know that. Remember, we talked in our Bible study or on on Sunday morning, I believe, in in our series on, on Redeemed. We talked about how Jesus is referred to as the second Adam or the last Adam. All right. If you'll study the gospels and study Jesus' life, you will see that Jesus lived out of that spirit realm but moved around in the natural realm. But he did not let the natural realm determine what happened in the spirit realm. He let what happened in the spirit realm shape and determine what happened in the natural realm around him. Does that make sense to you? Okay,
0: all
1: right. So, So if you and I limit our perception, our understanding to the natural realm only, then we'll never really begin to understand God or the realm in which God lives. Go over with me to first Corinthians chapter two, please. First Corinthians chapter
0: two. And, uh, you know, only had one verse down here to read, but um,
1: well, I tell you what, we'll just stick with that one for the sake of time. I started to back up, but I kept backing up to where I was in the book of Genesis, and we don't have time to do all that. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. First so, uh, Corinthians chapter two and verse 14. Notice what Paul said here. He said that, uh, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Why? Why can't a natural man know these things? Because they are spiritually <laughs> discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no man Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. But the thing that I wanted you to see is, is that a a natural man. Now, he's not talking about necessarily unsaved natural people. He's talking about natural believers, natural believers that lean and totally focus on and live out of the natural realm only. If that is the way you choose to live, then you're going to have a hard time understanding and functioning and living in spiritual things. It's going to be very, very difficult for you. You're going to have to, through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit, begin to gain some insight into spiritual things. Okay. So the, the natural man says things like Doubting Thomas did. You remember Doubting Thomas? He said, I will not believe unless I can see it. And, you know, I can feel it. I can experience it in the natural, okay? In other words, uh, you're going to have to prove it to me in this natural world before I will believe it. You know, that's why, I don't know if you've ever noticed this in reading the Gospels, but very often the, the religious leaders would come to Jesus and say, show us a sign, Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, he, he vehemently refused to do that. And here's why, because what they were saying is, is show us something. And and I'm going to add this to it shows us something spectacular and we'll believe that you are who you say you are and see, you can't live that way. Now, God does some things occasionally to demonstrate himself and to prove himself. But for for those of us, and those people were supposed to be spiritual people. For those of us who are, are living our lives according to the word of God, um, we should not need signs and natural events to prove to <laughs> us that the word of God is true and that God will do what he said he would do. And that's what would aggravate Jesus with those people is because they would come to him and say, "Hey, listen, if you'll show us a sign," this is in essence what they were saying. If you will show us a sign, we'll believe you. And and you know, basically, like like uh, Jesus told uh, doubting Thomas, he said, "Blessed are those who have believed and have not seen." See, there is a certain blessing that comes on you when you believe just because God's word says it, not because you've seen with your natural eye. Okay. All -hmm. right. So when you begin to understand spiritual things, you will learn that you have a spiritual nature that is different from your physical nature. Okay. Um, This is why, You'll find people very often uh, that are very successful in the natural, you know, people that, uh, you know, you'll hear people say this occasionally, whether it's a well-known athlete or maybe somebody who is a achieved stardom or something along that line, and they'll they'll tell you, uh, you know, I had all of this. I had money. I had fame. I had everything money could buy, but yet there was still this hole, something down on the inside of me that I knew was empty. And what it was is they were trying to satisfy spiritual things, spiritual needs with physical answers or natural answers. And what they were trying to do is live out of that natural realm and uh, satisfy what they were craving in the spirit. And so people that live in the natural physical realm only. And I'm including believers with that, uh, that only function in that area and don't um, live out of the spirit are going to be dissatisfied. They're going to be unfulfilled. The only way that a spiritual person can be satisfied and fulfilled is through and by spiritual things. Now, I'm not saying natural things aren't important and don't have their place, but what I'm saying to you is, is, as long as you keep your focus on natural things, spiritually, you are never going to be totally fulfilled, all right? So, faith, okay, is the the force of God. This is what causes the creative ability of God to become activated is this thing called faith all right now go over with me to mark the 11th chapter please
0: mark the 11th chapter
1: and i want to look at verse 22 just a simple verse where after uh Jesus had cursed the fig tree and the disciples, Peter had pointed out to him what had happened to the fig tree. Uh, I just want to read verse 22. We'll get to the rest of this later. But verse 22, Jesus made a simple response to what, what they did, what they said by saying this, have faith in God. And that's really a, not an accurate translation. What he actually said was, have the faith in of God. So that tells us a couple of things right there. Number one is that God has faith. Now God is love, but he has faith, okay? So God operates by faith. Everything he does, he functions and operates by faith. Now the other thing that this verse tells me is that this is an invitation an invitation to what an invitation for you and me to be able to take part of and participate in the faith of God and therefore function as God functions. Okay. And so as, as we already talked about Romans chapter 12 and verse three establishes that God put a piece of his faith on the inside of us. Okay. So, Uh, you've already been given a portion uh, of the faith of God down on the inside of you. So you have the potential to be able to see God's word come to pass in your life, just like God sees his word come to pass in his life. Okay. Now, Um, First Corinthians chapter 13, please.
0: First Corinthians chapter 13. Brad. Yes, that verse, and I don't know the reference, but it says um, it's in Ephesians. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That goes along with that verse, right?
1: Uh-huh. Romans 8.11. Okay. Yeah, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He'll make alive your mortal body. Is that the verse yeah. you're thinking about? Yeah. yeah. Romans 8.11. And
0: that and that's so that that's faith, power, all of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and listen, you and I, like Brother Hagen used to say, you and I don't have the power to heal a broken wing on a gnat's back, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, the fact of the matter is, it's not our power, you know, and it's not power contained within your faith, per se. What your faith does is releases the power of God that's already been made available to us, okay? So, cause I know a lot of times, you know, we place too much pressure on ourselves, faith pressure. In other words, where, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into this more later on in the study, but where we, we, we think, oh, if I can just muster up enough faith, then I can get healed. Okay. No, it, you know, that's why Jesus told us, he said, if you have faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed, you've got more than enough. All right. It's not a faith problem. It's not a quality of faith problem, all right? There's some other factors that come in that we'll get into later on as we as we study this. But you've got, here's my point, you've got more than enough faith. You just need to use it, exercise it, and develop it, okay? And, and, and because it's it's been given to you. It's like, uh, you know, genetically speaking, we all have been given a certain amount of muscular structure on our body from the time we're born. Okay. Now, obviously, uh, you know, if you're a bodybuilder like me, then, you know, Alan, that's not funny. I see you <laughs> laughing back there. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But my point is this, you know, when you see guys that and, and women that are so muscular and, And, you know, because they have taken time to develop something and listen, that we all have the potential to do, but we don't do, all right? I don't have any desire to look like that for one thing, but, you know, what I'm saying is, is that we all have that same amount of potential in us if we will do what's necessary to develop it. And exercise it and walk in it. And and it's the same way with our faith. When you got born again, the same amount of faith was placed in you that was placed in Smith Wigglesworth, that was placed in any other great man or woman of God you can think of. And, uh, you know, the only reason that it looks like that they have more faith than you and me is because they did what's necessary to develop their faith. And therefore, the power of God responded to their faith development. But the good news is, God is no respecter of persons. So he has dealt to every man the same measure. We all have the same potential if we will develop it and exercise it and use it. Okay? Now, uh, you're there in 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. Paul mm-hmm. wrote and said this, and now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I wanted to to see these things because Paul identifies by the Holy Spirit three very important spiritual forces, if you will, that God has made available to us, faith, hope, and love. Now, the most important of these is love because faith and hope operate by love. We read that earlier, but faith is, and hope work together in this, uh, and we'll explain this, but, um, you know, Paul pointed this out, the Lord pointed this out because he wanted us to understand that there is a difference between these three, okay? Now, faith is what moves the creative power of God from the spiritual world where he lives over to this natural world where you and I live. Now, I want to say that again. Faith is what moves the creative power of God from the spiritual world where he lives over to this natural world where you and I live. All right, so let me say this to you. Think about creation. If God is a spirit, which we already know he is, Jesus said so, and so when he creates, he creates out of that spiritual realm, then what God did when he said, let there be light, he was changing something in the natural physical realm, but he used his faith to release his power in order to do it. And that's the way you and I will operate by faith is because we have the the word of God and our faith is what enables and causes the power of God that's contained in his word to be released in the natural realm where we need change to be effected, okay? So now I want to go over with me to John's gospel, the second chapter, and I want to look at a story In the Gospel of John, where we clearly see a demonstration of of the faith of God, of course, exercised through the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we look at this story, I want to I want to make another statement to you, and it do you good to write this down, okay? Faith in God has superiority over any of the natural laws that are in operation in the earth. Faith in God, and you can put in parentheses His Word or God's Word, has superiority over any of the natural laws that are in operation in the earth.
0: It's very important that you understand that.
1: Why, why is that statement a true statement? The reason being is because natural laws were created out of the spirit realm. Okay, let, let me use an example, and then we'll look at this story from John chapter 2. When Jesus walked on the water, natural law says if you place an object that is heavier than the density of that water, in the water, what does it do? (laughs) It sinks, it's going to the bottom, okay? Now, that is a natural law. Now, scientists have learned how to circumvent that natural law and shipbuilding and, and things like that to enable boats and ships to float. But if you just take a rock and you put that rock in the water, Natural law says that rock is going to sink. Well, if you take a person and you put that person in water, you know, to a certain extent, they're going to sink. All right. So when Jesus got or when Jesus walked to the disciples on the water, he was circumventing and bypassing natural law. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was he doing that? He was doing that through faith in God's word and that released God's power to overcome those natural laws. Okay. I'll give you another one. You know, 40 days from last Sunday, we'll celebrate the, the, or, you know, the time when Jesus ascends to heaven. Okay. And so, uh, you know, Jesus being a man and he was a man after he was raised from the dead. Okay. Now he was a glorified man, but he was a man. He still had a flesh body, but the Bible says that in Acts chapter one, the disciples stood there on the, the mountain and watched him ascend into heaven. Did they not? Yep. Okay. Well, how did a human being who is obviously heavier than air, you know, he didn't breathe in a bunch of helium and all of a sudden float away. Okay. No. What happened? Spiritual law overrode physical law. The physical law of gravity could not hold Jesus down because spiritual law overrode it. All right. Now, So it's very important that you understand that faith in God and his word has superiority over any of the natural laws that are in operation in the earth. Okay. So that you're there with me in John chapter two, let's look at verse one. So this is the very beginning of Jesus ministry. And it says on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, and I love the fact, you know, you got to love Mary because she didn't even pay attention to what Jesus said. She just kind of ignored him and turned right to the, the servants and said, hey, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Now, these are pretty good sized water pots. You know, I'm, I'm really familiar with the size of a 50 gallon drum, okay, Or if you want to look at it this way, if you're familiar with a five-gallon paint bucket, imagine four or five of those in one container, and that's the size of the container that we're talking about. So Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, You have kept the good wine until now. In verse 11, this beginning of signs or one translation says miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's, let's look at this and let's dive into this a little bit. So Jesus had never worked a miracle that we have record of up to this point. And, and I would venture to say that because he said my time is not yet come, That really, we don't have any. That that would be why we don't have any record of any miracles. So Jesus, you know, contrary to what we may think, he did not go around the house when he was growing up just doing miracles all the time. Okay, because his appointment had not yet come, his time had not yet come. But the Bible does say that Jesus grew in wisdom and the things of God as he grew and matured. So. Mary probably was not expecting Jesus to do a miracle at this point. What she was thinking that he would do is use wisdom, God's wisdom on how to solve this problem. Okay. How to fix this situation. All right. Now I want to establish something. Jesus, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, Jesus turned the water into wine because both of them are liquid. All right. Well, that has nothing to do. One has nothing to do with the other. Jesus could have just as easily turned air into wine as easy as it was to turn water into wine. Listen, if he didn't have any water in those water pots, that would not have slowed the power of God down at all. None whatsoever. OK, but there was a reason that Jesus had them fill it. So the water pots as we established, uh, were about 20 to 30 gallons, let's say 25 to 27 gallons. So what we're talking about here is close to 150 gallons of water that the the servants had together. Now I believe myself, the scriptures aren't very specific, but the, I believe that the disciples took part in, Filling the water pots with water. And the reason I know that is because of what it says in verse 11 and his disciples believed in him. So that implies to me that they were, they took part in the filling of the water pots with water. Okay. So my point is this this took a lot of time and it took a lot of work to fill, to take those water pots to a well, fill them up with water, and then bring them back to the, to the wedding. Okay. Now, Jesus had them fill the water pots because he wanted to do something. What is it that he wanted to do? He wanted the disciples to be involved in the process of God's power showing up to change the situation. Let (laughs) Get out of your mind for just a moment that Jesus did this miracle because he wanted to razzle dazzle everybody and just kind of amaze everybody where everybody go, ooh, and ah, ooh, isn't he the son of God? No, I always tell you, pay attention to the details. Jesus never did random and he never did accidental. So the reason that he, you know, the water pots were sitting right there. He could have just said abracadabra and turn the air mm-hmm. into wine. But instead, he had people get involved with the working of this miracle. He had people get involved with filling the water pots with water. Okay. Now, why did he do that? Because he wanted them involved in this miracle that the power of God was getting ready to do. Okay. Now, God could do everything that he wants to do and leave us out. You ever thought about that? You know, he's powerful enough, he could just do some supernatural sign or or or, or some spectacular thing and cause everybody to turn to him tomorrow. But he chooses not to function that way. Why? Because he wants you and me to be involved in the process. He wants you and me to be a part. All right, now this is very, very important. So God chooses to bring us into the process and let us have a part in what is going on. So what am I saying to you? When something in your life, in the natural, needs to be changed. God is not going to just show up and do it without your involvement. He is going to use you and work with you to see that change take place in the natural realm. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Because just think about this. Again, he could have done, Jesus could have done that miracle and not use the servants or the disciples at all. I mean, not involve them at all, but he chose to work with them and and see them, well, rather allow them to be a part of the process and see what God does. Now, here's why I'm saying this. Faith in your heart is the invitation that we give God to move in our life and in our situations and in our natural circumstances. Okay, faith is the invitation that we give God for him to move in our situation the way that he wants to and the way we need him to. So when we need something to change in this natural realm in which we live, Okay, whether it's a physical need, uh, uh, you know, a family need, a financial need, whatever the need might be, of course, God could just show up and do it. He's God, but he chooses not to do it that way and would rather work with you and let you use your faith as an invitation for him to be able to work in that situation. Because here's what I guarantee happened or began a process for these disciples. When it says in verse 11, after he did this, that he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This started a process of their faith development in being able to believe God to move in a given situation when they needed him to move. Okay, are, are, are you with me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so um, go over with me to Matthew, the 18th chapter, and, and I'm almost done for tonight. Matthew, the 18th chapter, and I want to show you something.
0: Matthew 18 and
1: verse
0: 2. Well, let's... Let's just read verse 1, Matthew
1: 18, verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, I want you to pay close attention to what, G, what, what they asked Jesus. Jesus, tell us, what does somebody who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what does that look like? Uh, who is it? What, to, describe them to us. So Jesus turned, and it says in verse two, then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now what in the world is he saying? What, what, why did Jesus do that? Well, um
0: you know, let me let me say it to you this way.
1: A little child from birth till really, they're a toddler and began to, you know,, uh, as long as they're young, just just track with me here, okay? they intrinsically trust
0: that they will be taken care of.
1: Okay, think about that. You know, I I have never seen a child that, that was in a, a good home situation, okay, that had a parent or parents that were taking care of them. I've never seen them walking the floor, their stomach torn up with ulcers, stressed out because they're worried about, am I going to be taken care of? Mm -hmm. There is something built into a child, into their belief system that God puts there that if they are in a decent situation, you know, where they have somebody in their household that takes care of them, they know that that person, that adult, is going to take care of them. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt in their mind. Okay? So, what Jesus is saying to us is this. This is the way that we should be with our faith in God. See, we ought to get to a place in our faith and our approach to the kingdom of God that there is absolutely no question that God will take care of me. Mm -hmm. None whatsoever. Um, And listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm right here with you in this. I I Mm -hmm. grow daily in this just like you are and should be. But what Mm -hmm. I'm wanting us to see is, is faith is that invitation that, that says to God, Hey God, I believe that you can move in this situation and faith is also like, like the faith of a little child where it uh, that child believes that they will be taken care of, that whoever that caregiver is will mm-hmm. take care of them. And mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying, now remember their question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus' answer is this, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the person who will believe that God will do what he says he will do. And that's it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No question. Okay. All right. So we're going to stop right there and we're going to pick up on this. Um, this is, you know, listen, I could talk from now until Jesus comes back on this subject and never exhausted, it, but it's very, very important that we understand some of these basic things. Okay. And I'm mm-hmm. going to, Be working to connect the dots more and more and more. Let me say this to you, and this will be the last thing I say before we uh, get prayer requests, and that is this. Faith ought to be the easiest thing that you and I do as believers. It shouldn't be a struggle for us at all.
0: Maybe that's why he puts that in us as little children, so that we have had the experience of that unquestioning faith.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You got a point of reference. <laughs> yeah. But 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 really for a believer, faith should not be a struggle. Receiving from God should not be a struggle. Now there's factors that come in that cause it to be a challenge for us sometimes, but um the the truth of the matter is you and I can grow to a place in our faith where believing and receiving from God is the easiest thing that you'll ever do. Now, how do I know that? And what do I base that on? Um, You know, when I got saved, it was not a big struggle at all. It was the easiest thing to do spiritually I've ever done. Not for your mom. (laughs) But what I'm saying is that when, when it came time, you know, and the gospel was presented to me and, um, you know, and I, I won't get into, you know, how and, and, and why and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is when it came time and I made the decision, I want to be saved. I want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what he did for me, there was no, uh, you know, just, I gotta, I gotta, uh, no, that was, it was the easiest thing I've ever did. Lord yeah. Jesus come into my heart. I make you my Lord and savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead and you're now the Lord of my life in Jesus name. Okay. Now here's why I said that. Everything in our lives as believers ought to be that easy. Amen. We make it difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're, we're going to get into this and unravel this. I, ho- I hope I've helped you a little bit tonight, but uh, I'm excited about this because I, I'm, I love going back and refreshing myself on these things. And uh, what it does is it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to uh, tweak anything in me that needs to be tweaked in in my believing and and my receiving from him.
0: Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's
1: message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.